Now I know that I have ADHD and depression, but then I was just constantly frustrated. How the whole thing actually started was I am anorexic. Mm. I'm 13 years in recovery, but I ended up in an inpatient treatment facility. That was the first time I'd ever even heard of seeing a therapist as something people could do. In this week's episode of the Hope to Recharge podcast, we welcome Anna Prisbilski, known on her social media platform as humorous Anna Prizzy, and iconicize the tagline, it's called manifesting, look it up. She discusses juggling her life, her marriage, her struggles with mental health issues, and her social media contributions, despite being diagnosed with anorexia, ADHD, and depression. And now your host for the Hope to Recharge podcast, Matana. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me here today. You are going to laugh a lot today in our episode. I have Anna Priz. What's your real last name? Prisbilski. You said it was your husband's name. I didn't know I was going to go into the biz. Yeah, I told you you're going to laugh a lot. First of all, I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Alyssa Gross. Not only does she look like you, not only does she have the same sense of humor as you, but she's a good friend of mine that introduced me to you. So I'm not a big social media person. I post a lot on my stories, but I don't scroll because I have no patience. I'm probably ADHD and ADD and all the names that you can put there, all the letters. Ever since we met, I think five years ago in this online program, Build Your Life Resume with Jesse Itzler, I told her my passion about mental health and I told her about my podcast and she was one of my greatest cheerleaders. Whenever there's good content out there, she's like, you have to watch this. So she sent me one of your posts. I was laughing so hard. I got to follow this girl. She's so funny. I think you're one of the only people that I really follow. Like that I go into your account to see, okay, what? because I don't know what. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. But when I need a good giggle, I go to your account and I'm like, she's the real deal. She just says it all. And why are you so funny? You're funny because you say what we all think and pretend, but you say it out loud. I realized that there was a need for that. People don't just say exactly the way they feel. And uh, and that's funny in itself. People just don't talk about it. You just say it. And people are like, oh yeah, that's how I felt this morning. That's what happened to me last week. Oh my God, I'm not alone. And what I want to first, before we dive into your whole humor, I want to understand a little bit your background with mental health and Mm -hmm. why are you so passionate about it? I grew up, I don't think this is any different than most people my age, just mental health wasn't really a thing yet. It was, but nobody was talking about it. I didn't really know that's what was, I was struggling with. Like now I know that I have ADHD and depression, but then I was just constantly frustrated how the whole thing actually started was I am anorexic. Mm. I'm 13 years in recovery, but I ended up in an inpatient treatment facility. And that was the first time I'd ever even heard of seeing a therapist as like something people could do or seeing a psychiatrist. That's just like a thing people do. Mm. So I was there for a month and I got my, I had my first therapist, my first psychiatrist. I know how privileged I am to have had that opportunity because it really, they say one month in an inpatient mental health facility is like a year of outpatient treatment. It just, it really catapults you into this like self-care world. And it just, it went from there. And it's obviously still been a struggle every day of my life Mm. because it doesn't just go away and it changes. And I was so young, I still hadn't gone through like all the breakups and all of the things that happen in your twenties and Mm. the stress of I bought my first house and all of that. And my career, of course which is another one of those things where I felt how frustrating it was because in the workplace, I'm like an anorexic. So I'm essentially a people pleaser who's obsessed with 
getting everything right. And I just been in my career 10 years now and you're every day stressed, frustrated. The turning point was really the pandemic because I was functioning pretty well under routine. So like my whole life, you go to school, you go, you get your degree, you go to your career and you work every day. It's always the same. And so I was managing. So I never really thought to seek additional mental health help for ADHD. And it wasn't until the pandemic when it was, you were released. I always say they turned the autopilot off. I couldn't work for about a year because I'm in the events industry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we, we couldn't do anything until June of 2021. We were making do with online virtual events and stuff, but I had essentially never had that much time off in my life. It was almost like you couldn't put me back in the box. So when we started going back to work, everything was 20 times harder. I just could not get it straight. That's when I finally went and got an ADHD diagnosis. And now I'm finally medicated and it's so recent. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Because I didn't really, I was managing, so it never seemed that important. I knew I was struggling and a little bit sad and a little bit stressed, but I was getting the job done and you're just going through the motions every day. And it wasn't, yeah, until the pandemic, which like I always say was a blessing to me yeah. personally, but a terrible tragedy was just, I met myself for the first time where I wasn't just like going, it was like, oh my gosh. I don't know who I am. Yeah. I spent all that time being who I was supposed to be. And then just focusing on like being healthy or mentally healthy, but never really. What do you like to do? Do you even like your job? Who are you? Then that's like how the internet happened. Yeah. Was that like when I realized I have no idea who I am. I don't know what my interests are. I don't know what I want to do. And that's what I started talking about online. And that's how this whole thing got going. Wow. Yeah. I have a lot of questions. I'm going to go yeah. one at a time because I, as you're talking, I'm like, wait, but what about that? What about that? At what age did you did you give in, I guess, to the idea that something's not okay and you went into the facility for anorexia? 19. And how did that happen? I was a college athlete. Yeah. I need to go like 10 steps back. So I was a runner. I ran track and cross country oh. and I was running as a freshman and a sophomore and I got injured. Mm. When I got injured, obviously, like I was really struggling with this. I had never not had a rigorous regimented daily workout routine and I couldn't run anymore. So I panicked. I ran away. I moved to Florida, mm. which was probably a sign that I wasn't quite well. I had always had an eating disorder probably since I was six. And your parents didn't realize, notice, want to do something about it? No, because a lot of people, one of the biggest things is if you don't look like you have an eating disorder, nobody thinks you have an eating disorder, Oh, which is a huge stigma around it. I think it's something like, I'm probably getting it wrong, but it's 80% of people with eating disorders aren't underweight. So yeah, nobody thinks there's anything wrong with you. If you are of average size, you appear to eat sometimes. But as a teenager, you're out of the house from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. with your activities and everything. And I didn't really realize that's what I was doing either. We were raised in diet culture. So restricting and counting calories was what all the girls were doing. Exactly. So it just never came across that way until somebody reframes it for you. And it's, you're very sick. And you're like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm an average teenager and we all do this. Yeah, and I really did. I felt like a very average teenager. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was doing what everyone else was doing, but maybe I was doing it more or I'm not sure. But yeah, when I went to Florida, 
it got worse and it turned to binging and purging. I stopped going to school. And at one point I just was like, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I was like, something is wrong with me and I need help. So I went to the campus mental health at the University of South Florida and they're like, we can get you in next week. And I was like, no, this is urgent. Yeah. And that's, it reminds me just of me in general. It's nothing or all at once. So mm-hmm. I was like, no, something's wrong with me and I need to fix it like today. Right. So I was looking up just like places, mental health places. And there was a counseling center near school and they got me in for a consultation same day. Uh, and I talked to them for 30 minutes and she was like, I'm going to recommend an inpatient stay. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I, because wow. I didn't really realize how sick I was until right. I was. And so I moved in the next day. Wow. Yeah. And you did all your healing, like therapy there. And in order to start recovery, did the recovery start right away? Yeah. And that's the good thing about going to, there's not a lot of those everywhere in the country. I actually got the, another lucky that I was in Florida where within a half an hour where I was at school, there were two eating disorder specific rehab facilities. Mm -hmm. And where I live now and where I'm from Michigan, there are none. So I got lucky that I had that at my fingertips. I emailed my parents because I was afraid and I Mm -hmm. didn't want them to say no, Mm -hmm. which they did. No to going into a facility? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, no, you just need to come home and we'll take care of you and fix you. And I said, no, I said, you don't understand. So I was like, I'm going and you can come try to get me or whatever, but I'm going. I moved in the next day. Yeah. What's nice is they do all your medical stuff too. I had like osteopedia, you're on your way to osteoporosis, but in general, I didn't do too much damage to my body, which was great. And then, yeah, you just, you have your nutritionist and your therapist and your psychiatrist and that I'm also a people pleaser and a perfectionist. So Mm. I was determined to be the best at recovery. Wow. And were you? No, I wanted to be, but. It was also still, now I know looking back, like I also still did have an undiagnosed ADHD. Like I right. was neurodivergent and didn't know it. So there was still, I wasn't that good at recovery. I tried, but when I got home, I got another therapist here and kept working on it. But the interesting thing knowing now is there's a huge correlation between ADHD and eating disorders. That's what I was about to ask you. Yeah. So it makes a lot more sense now where it's, I wonder if I had been diagnosed as a kid, like how different could everything have. And, but I always say it's about readiness. And when we want to start recovery or are really going into understanding what we're going through. And for some reason, it always happens exactly when we're ready. Yeah. And I've said that too. Like it had to happen how it happened. Right. There was no other but it way. Is it is interesting. It is interesting to see the relationship. So you said you were also diagnosed with depression. Is that part of, is that, does that also come with an eating disorder? I don't know that those go hand in hand all the time. Mm -hmm. ADHD and depression do. Interesting. Interesting. Because it's a really frustrating way to live your life if you're not taking care of it. And that frustration get deep, dark in the deep holes and they just beat off of each other. But I was diagnosed with depression at uh, in treatment. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that came across to everybody from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ADHD is the least stigmatized mental illness. There's not, okay. So everybody's ADHD. It's a big deal, but are you, what, but do they understand what it means to be ADHD and the challenges? Yeah. Everybody just says like, like, people won't say so fast. I'm depressed or I'm anorexic or 
I'm bipolar. Totally, totally. But people yeah. would say, oh, I'm ADHD with no problem, right? Yeah, but I learned that one so late. I've always been anorexic and depressed. Yeah. I've never... We never knew. We were never diagnosed. And diagnosis is such a crucial point of recovery because before we know what we're healing, how do we heal it? Unfortunately, and it's so yeah. hard to get a diagnosis, yeah. really. yeah. So. I grew up with a father that is extremely funny, but so funny and unique to a level. He's also very loving and caring and kind and gracious, but his sense of humor is out of the ballpark and so sharp. So like you can't even predict how sharp he's going to be. Then I married my husband that is hysterical. I don't think he's so funny, but people think he is hysterical. So my bar for humor is very high. My son is hilarious. Also very sharp, very fast, very witty. When I came across your account, when Alyssa sent me your account, I'm like, there's something so real about this. It's not trying to, I believe that a lot of people that are funny are trying to escape something or I once asked my husband, why are you so funny? Why is it, what is it your goal? You walk into the airport check-in counter, you're cracking a joke. You're at Costco checkout, you're cracking a joke. You went in Israel to check out, you're cracking a joke. Why can you just be? Why does it always have to be a joke? Do you sometimes feel stuck? Do you wish you can be somewhere else? Do you have a vision of where you want to get to, but you just don't know what the first step to take in order to get to that life that you're dreaming of? How did I shift from deep depression, from extreme anxiety to a thriving life, to a productive life, to a life full of joy? I put many things into practice and it's every single day. Many of you know that it's gratitude, a healthy mindset, boundaries, self-love, and one of the most important things that many people don't speak about self-forgiveness and forgiveness to others essential for healing if you want to work one-on-one with me on these topics in order to move forward towards that dream life that you have a vision of click the link below in the show notes it's a custom made program for you one-on-one with me we will develop a concrete program that you can implement in your life so you can create a better well-being click the link below looking forward to working with you why is it trying so hard for a joke? And he's like, I just like when people laugh. And I said, is it self-fulfilling? Is it because you want people to laugh with you? Like to be the funny one, to release that joy in people? Or is it a need to feel I'm funny? And I have this big like, like radar that goes on. And, I, and a lot of people that died by suicide, they say, oh, he was so funny. No one would know he's depressed. And so my, my, my immediate, oh, wait, if he's so funny, is he depressed? It's my fear. What is, what are your thoughts? It's a huge tool for sure. It's almost like a shield between you and other people. And I use it too. And I always have, and that's happens a lot in like comedian world too. Those people that there's a lot of suicide and overdose in comedy. I think for sure. I never really thought about it till you just said it, but yeah, I use it as a shield. As a shield or as a tool to make you happy or to make others happy. This way there's you f- like there's a fulfillment. I'm really socially anxious. And then also like the people pleasing comes into play. Mm-hmm. Making people laugh keeps one them from getting in. And yeah, they like you, which, you know, is of course feels nice. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that I'm doing humor now, it's not really that funny. Like it, it is because it's real life versus just being funny my whole life to people. So you were funny before COVID. 
You, this is who you are. You, this is how you showed up always. Not only different on- way, different funny. Okay, okay. Yeah, the funny before was more like a, a tool to keep people happy and not too close to me, and keep all situations light all the time because I'm so afraid of conflict. Oh, yeah. I think that's my husband. He's not depressed. Like my husband is not depressed. You can never know, but it's not one of his thing. I wouldn't say he's depressed. Also my father. I definitely think it's more of let's keep it light because the serious is too intense. So let's just yeah. keep it light and funny and not go to those intense places because they're not comfortable. Yes. And so the difference now is I make the intense, uncomfortable, more approachable. It's really like that. Yeah. It's literally like that when you, unless I want to bring one of your example, one of your things that you say a lot, you say it's called manifesting. Look it up. Uh-huh. I think why Alyssa sent me, if I'm thinking, I think so, because I talk about manifesting all the time. And of course I'm very, the way I recovered my, when I was very depressed and very anxious, panic attacks in and out of the hospital, I had three children already at the time I was 33 two or 33. And I just wanted to live again because I was living life very well before. I never thought that I had anything. And then I came across the secret, the law of attraction. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wait, is this real? Is this real? Is this real? I need it to be real. I need it to be real because then my mental illness is in control. I can control. I can control my mind. I control my thought. I control. I can control my environment. And I became obsessed with the law of attraction, which is very much manifesting. And I talk about things that I manifest my whole life. Like I just manifest. So I think in a way she sent me, oh, it's called manifesting. Look it up. One of your very common jokes and are hysterical. And, and people, I think the people that are frustrated and say, no, it's really not manifesting. What are you talking about? We're trying to fix our life. We're trying to change our life yeah. and it's not working. So don't give us this manifesting anymore. So tell me what's the joke behind, tell me your thoughts behind this and why you say it so often. I think so how it started was it's a joke and it's always been a joke. There are a lot of people who come in and say, this isn't like really how you manifest, like you need to. And I'm like, I got it. But for me, I am essentially just saying the things I want out loud, which I think sometimes is really scary, but also makes them real. And then the joke is it's called manifesting because the things I'm generally asking for are dark. Yeah. Well, give us an example. Of what like the very first one I ever did was I don't want to do things. I don't want to do things. I want to do no things. And then it's called manifesting. Look it up. And everyone's, oh, no, don't ask for no things. That's how you end up with nothing. And I was like, I know, but don't you have those days you just like you want to do absolutely nothing. Like, I want to lay here, think about nothing and feel nothing. And I'm just overwhelmed and exhausted. I don't know that I knew that people had never seen stuff like that before. Like people being like, I just don't want to make decisions anymore. I don't want to do things. I don't want to make decisions. I don't want to just say things I don't want to do. It's It's exhausting. Yeah. We even have it on one of your profiles, very tired or always tired. Very tired. Very tired. Yeah. And I related to that because I feel like I say it a lot. I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. And people are like, you're tired. You do so much. I said, yeah, but it doesn't mean I'm not tired. It doesn't mean that I wish one of my, my, my kids make fun of me that one of my greatest wishes is to go into a room, lock the door and just be in bed and see no one and talk to no one for 24 hours or two days. Just like, it's a dream of mine. And like, really? You do so much. I said, just because I do a lot doesn't mean that I don't some now listen. I've been in bed for many months with depression. I have a good relationship with my bedwetting. It used to be 
my hell. Now it's my joy. And I think that's healing that we don't know. We no longer see our bed as a threat. We could see it as a, as a joy. Oh, I get to be in my bed. I think I always thought of like rest as a dirty word. And now I'm like, no, all I want to do is rest. Why did we think of it as a, why, like, why do we think of it as laziness? I work on it with my EFT practitioner a lot. I say, I'm lazy. And people are like, you're lazy. I said, yeah, I really think I'm lazy because I can sleep in on, on, on Saturday afternoon and, and Saturday morning. I love it. And, or I'll take a, I'll take a nap if I'm tired and I feel lazy. And why is that? And I don't think laziness exists. I think it's a social construct that was made up to make us feel bad so that we keep guilt, a guilt factor so that we keep producing and producing. You mean it's shaming? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm. You're lazy and it's no. <gasps> Oh my God, look, thinking about it, you're right. Yeah, you're like, no, I'm not lazy. I just know what wanna do serves it. me and what doesn't serve me. And I don't want to be a cog in this wheel anymore. I don't want to work my life away. I don't want to work 80 hours a week. I don't want to do all those things. I want to Enjoy. have a snack. It, oh, that's another one. When I say, I've had it. I just want a little bit of cheese. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, why did I deny myself all of this pleasure? You think it's our upbringing? Yes, 100%. Did you grow up with parents that were hard workers? And they're super duper overachievers. They were super duper overachievers. That should be a hashtag like on a bracelet. Don't be a super duper overachiever. They still are. It's wild. But I got permission to talk about them, which is so funny. My mom called me after she listened to one of my podcast I did. And she said, you can say more because I was skirting around the issue of talking about my parents. And she was like, why do you ignore it? Like she goes, you can say that we screwed you up. And I'm like, you didn't screw me up. You're a product of your environment. And I'm a product of my environment. I think it's so important to know that to not blame. No, I'm just a cycle breaker, which is yeah, which is fine. My brother is not. Do you have one brother? He stayed in the cycle. I do have one brother. That's it. Okay. And what were they doing as super duper achievers? So my, they were both elite triathletes in the eighties. So they were doing like the Ironman circuits. And Mm. so just one way is fitness wise. They, and they are still very active, very competitive. So maybe you're, wait one second. So before you go on that, just going back to your original story that when you had your injury, it was basically, you couldn't become them because you don't Mm -hmm. have the tools so that You felt literally broken, not physically, but literally broken. I will never be able to be the achievers that they might dream that I will be or follow in their footsteps, literally follow in their footsteps yeah. because I can't. So I'm broken. And maybe that spiraled the whole thing to losing yourself 100%. and going to eating disorder, like intense eating disorder because of that. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of wanting to live up to some yeah I lived my whole life to try to impress them and now I'm like oh that was silly and And so exhausting and exhausting that's why we're tired yeah we're tired yeah that's what it is though like it's a lifetime of burnout that we're dealing with now and and that's why we're so tired it's we went an entire lifetime of living in in this society and just being a product of our environment and the way that we all run like little machines it makes sense that if you ever stop you're gonna hit the wall pretty hard so besides that what were they doing besides so my dad is an entrepreneur he built his business his company from the ground up when he was in his 30s he's very successful he started a retail store and an event company 
company and oh you were working for him yeah okay yep. okay so you're like if i can't be an athlete i'll at least work for them and make them proud over there he sold his company in 2014 and made a lot of money and then my mom on her side, she was a nurse, didn't like it, went back to school, became a nurse practitioner, liked it, but wanted to do more, went back and got her doctorate. No way. Yeah. And so she's still working. She's, they're both, they're 65. They're cranking away. Did you feel neglected as a child? I didn't know that I did because I was always very independent, but I do wonder if I wasn't as independent as I was, if I was that independent because I had to be. Yeah. But what, did you like being independent? I did. I liked being alone. I liked being away. I was a huge camp kid. Mm -hmm. Like I liked going away for the summer. I did pretty. So here's an interesting, I did really well in my whole life, keeping five, keeping space between me and my parents, because I didn't quite know what it was, but I knew it wasn't me, mm. which is frustrating, which was always frustrating for them. So hard, especially when you love them and you respect them and you admire them. It's so hard to find the you inside you when you want to be a part of product of something you love and respect and admire, but it's yeah. not what you feel. You want to be a part of the family, but you want to be a completely different. Right. And like a totally different person. And you don't want to cause them pain. Of course not. And yeah, that's tough too. I think what's really nice now, they are my biggest cheerleaders. <gasps> so they're so proud of you. Yeah. And I would never have guessed that. Like when I started bringing up, like I'm creating content, like I have this following, I'm doing this thing online. You're like, please don't be mad. And they're all in. Why do you think that what do you think changed in their mind? I changed. I don't think anything's changed in their mind. I think what's oh. changed is it was just stories so you were telling yourself. That too. But they know, like they know that I struggle with them. There's still a lot of watching unhealed generational trauma within them that hurts me to watch yeah. when right. you're, when I'm like breaking free of all of these things, like not yeah. breaking free. My trauma exists, but I'm just like, want to shake them and be like, Oh, you could live your life. Like you could try something else. You could. But they're happy like that. I always say just because it doesn't make us happy and we know a different existence. Yeah. I think they are so content with it. Yes. A lot of people have their breakdowns, like you suddenly the midlife crisis or, or after they're like 65. So you can see that they like they there's regrets, but some people actually can look back and say, no, I was happy working very hard and having every moment of my day filled with no rest and with yeah. no downtime. And it was great for me. The other thing I didn't mention about my mom was even when she was a teenager, she was a big, she was big into activism for getting women into sports mm -hmm. because they didn't have female sports teams like in their school. She's an impressive person. It's hard to be the kid of impressive people, I think, no matter what. And mm -hmm. my dad is very well known in his specific community mm -hmm. and is idolized. So there's, yeah. Wow. So now you're becoming famous on your own within a year. You didn't have to go get your PhD to become famous and you didn't have to become an activist. You did what your passion online and not 20 hours a day and you're yeah. becoming very famous. We went viral. I'm getting there. I think I, it's tough. I don't even know. I'm just starting to get some 
brand deals and stuff. So it's happening. I'm still working full time. So that's a little complicated. Where are you working full time? I own the event company that my father used to own. Oh, okay. So you took it over. So you didn't stay away from it. I like to specify that I paid for it. Obviously, I have a little complex about like people thinking things were handed to me, but because they weren't. So my brother and I are in a buyout. We started in 2018. So you work with your brother? Yeah. My brother's my business partner. And what is it like to work with him? You said you're very different. Infuriating, for sure. Is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness? Maybe it's anxiety or stress. BetterHelp.com will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online with a broad range of expertise available depending on what you need and the services available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor. BetterHelp.com is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They make it easy and free to change your counselors if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp.com wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com slash hope to recharge. That's BetterHelp dot com slash hope to recharge and join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You'll also get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash hope to recharge. So you did go back to the event business after COVID. It's not like you stepped away. I'm really well suited for the tasks that are required. I'm really good at the job. I am trying to stay passionate about it. It's getting really hard. I made a video just yesterday about I have too many balls in my court right now. And it's very hard to give all of myself to all of them. So I'm struggling at work to give 100% and online 100% and my home and my husband 100% and my friendships and family relationships. So that's yourself. Yeah. And me. That's what I was saying. And I still need to brush my teeth and shower and like, oh my gosh. Maybe you're not doing so well with manifesting less. No, I'm not. (laughs) You got to go back to the drawboard and look up manifesting on, I want to just lay in bed. I do. I'm in a, I think I'm in a, a transitional. You're talking to me in like a real transitional, spooky, scary time for me where. I'm trying to figure out my next steps. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh, totally. I'm excited. And it's exciting. That's exactly my word I said. And it's exciting. Yeah. If we choose to be excited about the unknown, it could be a different adventure versus fear, anxiety that come naturally. We don't have to invite them. We don't have to manifest them. Yeah. Were you one of the ones who said that fear is like, one step away from excitement. I don't remember, but it's, I don't know if it was me, but it's something that I say often. Yeah. We can choose to be excited about the good, the possibilities and what's going to come from the unknown. What's in the surprise box? What could be? Yeah. Our mind naturally goes to the disaster naturally. Oh, what if this was, what? So let, we don't have to give it more energy, but we could give the excitement more energy and dwell there and say, okay, what's, what is in that little surprise unknown? I'm very excited. I'm like, of course, nervous because I don't really know what's next for me or where this goes or where I go. Or if I was to leave my job, how does that work? Yeah. Transitions. There's a good book about transition and how that transition gap 
people people focus on the change but the transition takes longer and people don't understand that transition is the painful part by going into the change that you want so let's say somebody moves from america to london so they're going they're getting let's say they're going for a new job so they're getting they're excited about the job but the transition part of getting to know the train system they to know the just the money just get new friends new homes how things work in london the transition can be difficult to a change that we really want. Yeah, that's what somebody goes, oh, what do you think your timeline is like on making a change in your life? And I said, a year. And they go, oh, so not like soon? And I was like, no. Because you're giving it your, and also you're letting it get develop on its own and see how yeah. things fall into place. And I think that's part of mental health, knowing not to obsess about it and to just sit back and say, okay, it's okay if it takes time and just to see it unfold and be okay with it. Yeah, life is just hurry up and wait. And that's never going to change. Yeah. When did you get married? 2015. Seven years. Yeah. Wow. Did you always know you're going to get married? Yeah. Yes. I, if you asked me my whole life, I would have been married a lot sooner. I was thought I would be married and have kids at 24. And that was another dream. It wasn't a real dream. Like now I look back and I'm like, Ooh. yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that. But it was mm -hmm. something I thought I always wanted. And then that's another one of those things. You come to realize I didn't want that. I thought it was what I was supposed to want. Love how you said that. Exactly. Yeah. And there you know, so what? many things. Yeah. Like that. I thought I was supposed to want this. I thought I was supposed to want that. And I didn't want those things. Yeah. I just posted yesterday. It's okay to change our minds on things that we were very passionate about. We have, I think, 22 to 60,000 thoughts a day. So for a machine that has so many thoughts and not to change our thoughts or change our mind is unlikely because we're a thinking machine. So yeah. it's okay to have a desire or dream. And then we change our mind and it's okay. Yeah. I had committed in 2018. I was like, I'm buying this business. This is what I'm doing the rest of my life. I'm excited. I'm doing this. I'm all in giving up all my life savings and I'm going for this. And you know, but I'd never even heard of content creation at that point. So mm. Now I know, especially going forward, it's, I have no idea what's coming. Exactly. The knowing that we don't know is freedom, I think. Yeah. Because otherwise sure. we feel in control. And when we're losing control, that's when the fear comes in. There's no timeline for figuring out who we are. So what is your husband like? Is he a jokester? He's so funny, but not in a funny way. He's not like comedically funny, but everything he does is funny. He is a bit intimidating. He's like a person you definitely wouldn't approach, even though he's so sweet. Funny that you married him. Okay. I love a challenge or I did at the time. And that, that might've lent itself to why I picked him. I saw him and I was like, that's the one. Wow. I was like, that's my challenge. How did you meet? At a party. He just, he came into this party and he didn't say a word and he walked in with a case of Budweiser and he was wearing like a neon orange sweatshirt and he sat in the corner and just started drinking by himself. Now I know that he was just like so uncomfortable. Mm. He was invited to this party. He didn't know anybody and he like panicked and he sat in the corner. But at the time I was like, whoa, look at that cool, confident guy. Like he just walked in, made himself at home, sat down. And you approached him? I did. I ran up to him and hugged him and said, thanks for coming. And I didn't know him. Wow. How long did you date? Four years before we got married. So you knew each other well. So he knew about your whole recovery. Yep. Yeah, he met me pretty like pretty close to after that. We met when we were 23. So okay. you got married still young. Yeah, still yeah. very young. Yeah, still very young. What's he like with supporting mental illness? Oh, he's he probably wouldn't like 
talk to somebody or get his, but he's all in on mine. That's he's supportive to you. Yeah, he's super supportive. Oh yeah. And he doesn't deny illnesses or it like he he knows who you are and that and yeah, he was the one who I think this was three or four months ago who was like, You need to talk to somebody. Okay. Because wow. I think he, I was in a really bad place and he just recognized that he was out of his league. Wow. After COVID or like when COVID was winding down. Yeah. And I had a really rough time um, and I'm on antidepressants now and that is great. But yeah. I was in a deep hole yeah. for a while. Wow. I think I remember texting you a few months back. I'm going to look at the chat. Like yeah. I saw that there was and I said, Maybe you need Florida and not snow. Like for me, depression and cold go together. I don't know how you live in the cold, but you embrace it. You even go barefoot in the snow. Yeah. You go barefoot in the snow. You, you literally embrace it. But for me, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Of course someone will be depressed. No, it was obviously projecting my- It doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. The, the first day the sun came out, you're like, I'm cured exactly the feeling yeah. and there's like a, the other day was very cold here in new york and the, but it was right after oh i was in israel and in florida which was beautiful and then i come back and i'm like what the heck happened to me i said to my husband ari i feel like the tin can i can't move my bones are not moving something's wrong with me i said no maybe it's just that it's 20 degrees outside and my body just doesn't do well yeah and i'm like wow i can't wait till spring really comes mm -hmm. and the sun and the first day the sun came out, it was like 50 something degrees. I'm like, oh my God, it's all gone. I'm good. I I'm like, I could do it all. Yeah. Yeah. I sat outside and I was like, it's perfect. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me some of your best line, the most popular little clips and your clips are less than 30 seconds, right? Almost always. Yeah. Almost always less than 30 seconds. So which ones are the most popular? I have like little series and obviously I don't like to get stuck in a hole, but I'm definitely stuck in the manifesting hole. No one's going to let me give that up. Yeah. But I love doing it and it's called manifesting and where I literally just say exactly how I'm feeling in that, that second. moment. Yeah. So you don't plan it. You don't plan it. You wake up in the morning. And like, hey, what am I feeling? Yeah. What I wish for. I'm going to go outside. By the way, Anna wears this terry robe, this gorgeous terry robe. And it's constantly snowing outside where she is. And she runs out barefoot, looking up to the sky, talking to the above energy and saying what she wants. And then she's like, it's manifesting. Look it up. Uh-huh. And then I added the daily intentions because there wasn't always something I wanted, but I was, when I say, I will believe I am as cherished as a chicken finger or like today, I will believe that I am a kick-ass little hottie. And I like those too. Those are more upbeat and they leave you in a better mood versus like when you lay on the ground and you're like, I've had it. The one that just went crazy was the one where I said, if you were thinking about putting anything else on my plate for the rest of this week, I won't be doing it. It's still like going, it's still popping up constantly in my notifications. And it's from three weeks ago. Oh, wow. And then the other thing, like I try to approach mental health in a really digestible, realistic way. And some, sometimes I don't even use like terms because people are like, I don't have mental health issues, but I'll say pre-worry instead of anxiety. Like you got to stop worrying about things before they happen. Or I just try to make things more real. You feel heard. Yeah. And that's same thing. It's how I'm feeling that day too. Yesterday I made about the post about dropping balls and it was like, I missed meeting at work. I felt terrible. 
you know, plus I'm not keeping up. I've been trying to get this media kit put together forever. I just feel like I'm not keeping up and my house is a mess. And the, but then at the end, like mostly my reminder is that you still matter. All these things can be happening. You can be doing all of these things and your instinct is always going to be to drop yourself. Like I just need to work harder at everything else. And, uh, and then I say, keep it up, cutie. I'm proud of you. And everybody goes nuts. They you, say, so, it's so adorable. It's yeah, adorable. They say, when you say it, I believe you. And somebody goes, I need lots of people. Like I need this as my alarm clock in the morning. Like, isn't it great to bring so much joy to so many people that are going through a hard time? Yeah. It's not just to the average person. It's to the person that's really struggling to have a good day. Yeah. How rewarding is that? That's the coolest part. And it's what keeps it going. I never really thought I had anything to say, which, you know, now I know is not true. But if you asked me, it's I don't have anything to say that people haven't heard. And then slowly I'm realizing that's not true. Everything I say, there's somebody who needed to hear it. And that's so cool. Wow. So you don't plan anything. Yeah. Even people who just need to know that like other people are waking up and not wanting to get out of bed. When I read on you, I don't remember which profile it is. I'm tired. I'm like, wow, I love her so much. It's total reality. I think. I think ADHD people really get tired, even though we have a lot of energy, but we get tired because we're multitasking in our mind and keeping up with everyone around us. My kids make fun of me because I'm on the next conversation before the next conversation happens. And they make fun of me. And I'm like, do you know how much effort it takes me to yeah. be in a conversation? That's why they make People fun of me. People don't realize how, it, how tiring existing is in a brain that's working as hard as some brains are. Yeah. And it's exhausting. Yeah. I said the other day that we are not putting a high enough price tag on our mental space. Like, yeah, we don't value it the way we should because we don't think of it as a tangible thing. Yeah. But there are days when you really wish you could just say, I do not have the mental capacity right. to leave my house today. I don't have the mental capacity okay. for this conversation. I don't, not this one. I mean, yeah. but we, we do not value our own mental capacity in the way that we should. A hundred percent. And I think it goes back to what you said before, that it's part of the shaming of accomplishment and laziness is a way to get people to do the uncomfortable. We talk about leaving the, I would love for you to do one about leaving your comfort zone because you're all about being in your comfort zone. So leaving your comfort zone and we talk about growth is when you leave the comfort zone. And I do believe it, but it's, we also grow when we are in our comfort zone, relaxing. That's part nourishing ourselves is also part of growth. Yeah. Huge growth rest, right? I'm a huge proponent of rest. I think, I don't know if you follow the nap collective, but their thing is that rest is radical. It's a, it's one of those, it's also not valued. The growth that can happen when you actually take care of yourself and eat and sleep and drink water. And it's always the first thing to go for me. And the difference it makes if you actually take care of your body is, I hate that it's true. It's so frustrating that those simple things, like if I go for a 30 minute walk, I feel better. And it's that stuff we fight. Like I don't have 30 minutes to go for a walk. It's okay. But just think how much more time and space you'll have if you, if you grow and heal as a person, you'll have way more more than 30 minutes. You'll have a lifetime. And it's true. I think leaving a comfort zone, I think for me, that's just, it was a lot of just realizing I don't know anything. That was the comfort zone. It was like, I know this and this is what I'm doing. Now I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing ever. Wow. And I'm doing my best. Yeah. Who are your mentors? My mentors? My if you husband. have any. Oh, that's so nice. Oh my God. He's like the most Zen human being on earth. Like he's so calm. He never gets, he never rises above the two. Wow. 
He's Never? so level-headed. And for me, that changed everything where he's like, why are you upset right now? What's that doing for you? Is that helping? Like, why? the other thing that he really taught me a lot about was boundaries. Mm. I don't want to go, but we have to. And he goes, why do we have to? Oh, I love that. And you're, I was like, what? Yeah. We don't have to go? <laughs> we like, don't have to please that? No. He's, if we don't want to go, why would we go? And I'm like, exactly. And he's like that across the board. And I just am lucky to, I always say, I feel giddy, like still when I see him, it's been, it's only been 10 years, but I think that's rare. It's beautiful. To have a crush on him. That's beautiful. Like that. My mentors, as complicated as my relationship is with my dad, he is one of the most inspiring people in the world. Really? He has no fear. He has always gone after whatever he wanted. Maybe that's the way I perceive it. Maybe there was more fear, but I don't know. He's just never been afraid to he didn't show yeah, up. He's he never been afraid it. to fall. He just goes for it. And even mm-hmm. like having worked with him for so many years, he'll want something. And you're like, that's unrealistic. And he just calls the person and he's, we want this. And you're like, oh. wow. Just that, like that, all they can say is no attitude. I don't, I'm working on it. All somebody can say is no. And that's it. They say no. But I'm so fearful still of that, like approaching a situation where there could be a no. I like to go with knowing like there would be a yes. Yeah, we don't like rejection. And your father probably thinks if I don't ask, I'll f- it's for sure a no. So I have yeah, a fifty percent chance totally. that I'll get a li- yes. It's not, and it's okay if I get a no. I'll try a different way, a different time, or different place, or whatever. But if I don't ask, it's a definite no. Yep, he's just so great at stuff like that. And he left his career and started a business that he knew nothing about because it was something he liked. And you're, I'm like, what? Beautiful. And yeah. what about, do you have a comedian you admire and you say, I want to be like them? I, so here's what's like, I like, I'm just, I got to get better at consuming content. Mm-hmm. I just don't consume a lot of content or like comedic content. And that's okay. Yeah. Got to get on that. No, maybe not. Maybe being I think your it's authentic what keeps self my, is good. That's what yeah. keeps me yeah. never coming across like somebody else because Are you? I consume so little because I'm so busy. That's fabulous. How much time do you devote to your TikTok? I probably devote more time now to Instagram than I did previously. I used to just do TikTok, but now yeah, I'm more on Instagram. But I interact a little bit more on TikTok because mm-hmm. I've had that community a lot longer. Oh, okay. So those are people I've, my followers or my community community there is people I've been talking to for two years. So I'm more inclined to interact with them than on Instagram where everyone's kind of new and I'm in there trying to get a feel for what's going on. Right. Is my community what's happening here. Okay, cool. So how long do you devote to this a week? Do you know? Oh, way more than I should. Probably like five hours a day. Really? Yeah. Five hours a day for just to make the... No, that takes half hour to edit Yeah. Okay. No, no, just interacting, interacting. Okay, but answering messages. That's yeah, beautiful because you're interacting with your community that you built, your people, yeah, which, is, which is the most important. That's beautiful. You're very yeah. responsive. Very. Beautiful. People are always yeah. surprised. They're like, I didn't think you'd reply. And I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to do this. I'm yeah, trying to beautiful build this community of people who know that I'm actually a person who's there. So where can people find you? What's the, what's your handle? I am A-K-P-R-Z-Y everywhere. With everywhere or not everywhere? No. I'm A-K-P-R-Z-Y, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Okay. Yeah. So you have a YouTube channel. I didn't even know. That. It's there. But you don't nurture it as much as you do the other accounts. That would be like if somewhere down the line, I didn't have a day job, I might have time to nurture that. But I'm okay. like, I'm pretty right. full up right now. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Recognizing my own limitations and boundaries. I can't wait to see the one you're going to do on comfort zone. Tag me when you do it. Okay. Because I'm not on, I'm not on, I don't follow as, as because yeah. I have five children and I travel a lot oh and I have a lot going on in my life. Thank God. When I need a giggle, I go to your account and I'm so grateful because it's laughter from my soul. This girl gets it. She just gets it. What a great feeling to just put a smile on so many people's hearts when life can be so difficult. Thank you. That's so nice. I want to meet your father. I want to meet your mother. I want to meet your husband. Let's get it. Let's do a get together. How's that? Yeah, we well, my, yeah, Come my to New York for a Shabbat dinner. Yes. We do it every week, every week. Like that's oh my our gosh. time. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Here's the news. The sun will not heal you. It will maybe help you through a blues for a moment. Yeah, but you got to do the work. You got to do the work, and unfortunately, and, you have yeah, to do the work. You can't escape it. Like it comes with you everywhere you go. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, exactly. Wherever you go, there you are. That's a beautiful saying. Is there anything you would like to wrap up? Oh, you know what? I have one more question. What does recovery look like to you? Recovery or healing? Oh. Recovery. What does that mean? Does that mean that you recovered and everything is in the past? Is it constant work? Is it going back and forth? Is it falling, getting up? Recovery would is for me right now from a lifetime of burnout it's rest it's trying to really get good actual care and rest that I never really got and then what recovery would look is peace constant peace in the heart yeah wow beautiful beautiful no turmoil yeah which I think life is about that because when we don't have the lows we don't have the highs but less of the drama of the pain yeah intensity intensity yeah I agree Anna thank you so much for joining me here and for Thank sharing for me. sharing your beautiful journey. And uh, every time I'm going to rest now, I'm going to think of you. Yeah, I love that. Check Anna out. Follow her if you need a good giggle, a good laugh, feeling not alone in this really ups and downs of life. Go follow Anna. Thanks for joining us. Bye till next time. Thank you for listening till the end. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. And Mental Health Together is better. You being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content that for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com and see what other offerings we have there for your mental health well-being. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you. Bye till next time. Looking to reduce your anxiety and stress, relax your muscles, or get a better night's sleep? Check out Maxifies.com, 100% legal hemp, where you can find doctor-formulated, lab-certified, high-quality CBD oils, tinctures, and other items, cultivated, grown, harvested, and packaged in the United States, and available in different sizes and strength formulas. Check out Maxifies.com, that's M-A-X-I-F-Y-Z.com, and use coupon code HOPE to get 10% off your order, plus free shipping. That's Maxifies.com.